This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting and Podcast. This episode, I have Travis O'Shea talking about cow calling elk. We always hear all kinds of podcasts all about elk calling and it's very superficial just on some various challenge bugles or um locator calls and that sort of thing and a few sequences i'm not i shouldn't downplay it there's a lot of really good episodes out there uh including mine have been like that so uh this one i want to dive into cow calls specifically uh especially if that's something that uh count calling elk is is a struggle for you um or uh, i have no problem with either calls and i learned some really good tips and some things to try so i'm excited to test them out as well as uh try out the uh wapiti river elk calls so we're excited to give those a give those a shot they look like they have the correct um, form that i need uh, with that really good bridge to it uh, so i'm excited to try those out but it is elk season uh right around the corner and so uh, we're getting excited to get rolling with that so thanks for listening and as always uh, give my podcast a good review and follow me on instagram facebook at western hunting hub and black hills antlers thanks All right, Travis, thanks for jumping on the Western Audio Podcast again. Uh, I looked, it was this time last year, October, or no, it's not October, yeah. August <laughs> August of uh, 2022, and uh, you came on, did, did a little bit of um, just some overview of some various calling, and yeah. we are T-minus, I think, shoot, 12 days for for me going to Colorado and you yeah. guys open here pretty soon too, right? Yeah. We're, we're Friday. We Friday. I sent, I sent uh, the wall tents all up yesterday. Oh man. And, uh, 25th opening morning. We'll be out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and just so the listeners know where in Canada are you? 
roughly? Uh, we're up in, uh, I live in Grand Prairie, Alberta. Yeah, so there we yeah, go. And we, yeah, you bet. All right. And then, um, so last time, yeah, we just had some general setup, some general calling. Um, and if you could just give us the two minute version of your calling style. Just like, oh, okay. Like your elevator speech on, yeah. Hey, how do you call elk? Exactly. So, most of my stuff, as you know, is bugling for the most part, mm-hmm. um, except for early in the season. That's when I'll literally, I like to walk into an area like I'm a scouting fanatic. So, come opening morning, I know where the elk are going to be already. So, I usually go into those little areas <clears throat> and right off the get go, I'll start off with one simple little cow mew and nothing, nothing fancy, nothing, nothing crazy. Just a little mew like this. Just your basic, you know, run of the mew cow mew. And uh, I'll just sit and wait for about five minutes. And then from there, you know, even if you're with your buddy, you know, make sure he's not wrestling around in his pack, getting his water bottle out and stuff like that. Just, Focus on the area that you just sent that call to. Literally give it five five minutes and then do another one. Exactly the same. Yeah. So again, nothing fancy. Just a cow mew. What that's going to do, if you scouted the area and you know there's elk out there somewhere, the first mew is going to get their attention and their ears going to flick up and they're going to go, oh, okay, there's an elk over there. On your on your second mew, five minutes later, now they're focused in on you because they're they're waiting for you to make another sound, and basically what that's doing, that's gonna either draw them over or they may be moving along with other cows and stuff, but it's gonna give you a, an idea what's going on. So early in the season, it's pretty simple. It's it's cow mews. Um, if I'm just hunting the general area, and if I'm going into another area that say I just want I know there's a herd bull in there and it might be his bedroom that's when I'll switch to like more uh, more bugling stuff but it's all really low key um, just moans and groans and tree raking stuff like that so that's pretty early season stuff um, just because I'm trying to track those those bigger bulls mostly aren't going to have cows quite yet anyways uh-huh. and I mean the first three four days of the season that's a good time to draw a bull over because you've snuck into his little bedroom area and you do some tree raking and some moans and groans and, you know, the odd little chuckle and whatever bulls in that area, he's going to want to come over and say, okay, well, who's in my area. I want to push this fella out of here. So that's kind of one of my other techniques. So one is cow calling. The other one is moans and groans, chuckles and raking trees. So Perfect. That gets us kind of the baseline, yeah. you know, what to, to start with. Um, yeah. And really, it's... Most... go ahead. Yeah, sorry, that's where most guys fail because early season everybody thinks cow call right away. Just cow call, cow call, walk, cow call, walk, cow call. Whereas you know, if you stop and just hunt the area really slow and and move progressively, you throw those sounds out. You're not having to like walk for miles and miles hoping to get an answer. Yeah. You can you can hunt those areas right in front of you. Yeah. If, if you know there's elk in there. That's right. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I want to come back to that later of if we yep. don't know 
we need to cover ground if we don't know, but uh, yeah. I want to get into that just in, in a bit, but um, also to kick us off is just really, it's a little too late to pick up your diaphragm and tube for the first time. And, and <laughs> if that's brand new out of the package, you don't know what you're doing, probably a little yeah. too late to sound super great. Um, yeah. And some people, or they just don't get it. They're tone deaf. They never took music class or just struggled with yeah. it or some people just can't do it. So that's what I was thinking. Let's have a cow call okay. episode. Uh, yeah. let's, it, whether it's a diaphragm or an external read or something like that, we can still make some, make some sounds, make some yep. general elk sounds, even a I'd hate to, I'm, I won't be carrying one, but a push, push button yep. of some kind, Yeah, just yeah. at least some kind of cow call. We got to make some kind of noise in the woods in September. And I, I don't want to ignore the existence of our bugle tube, but yeah. we don't need to demo them in, in this, or it's not yep. that they're not important, but we just want, don't, we want to focus on the cow call. So sure. Yeah. Get everybody tuned into cow stuff. And... Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so yeah. Um, hopefully we get some guys listening to this on the way to, to Elk Camp, and uh, um, we're going to be yeah. doing that in the next week. So what are what are your uh, physical calls that you have? I got a pile that I like to carry around. What are, yeah. what are your, so, your calls? So, so I'm kind of like you. I have a kind of a mix, mismatch. I kind of buy everything under the sun. I so my line, Wapiti line, I don't really care, carry a whole lot of external type stuff. Mm-hmm. I I just, I, I don't use them a whole lot, to be honest with you. They sound great. I mean, you can, you can make them sound good. Most of my stuff is like uh, a reed and it'll be like a single latex reed, something really light. Okay. Um, what you're going to see on any of the packages, if you go into the store, you're going to see uh, cow reed, calf reed. Uh, young bull anything like that you're going to see that on the packaging that really what that means is it's a really thin latex so you're going to be able to get those easy immature sounds you know fairly quickly and easy um so like you say those guys that are brand new to it they're grabbing a a reed on their way to elk camp at a store they happen to see as they're driving by that's what they're going to want to look for especially like a calf reed and in the Wapiti line, it would be like the Frolicker or the Sassy, uh, something like that. They're really, really light latex. It's usually like a 25 thou thickness. And they're just really easy to operate. So how the reed actually works, I know. Are you going to have this on YouTube or is yep. it just over yeah. the radio? No, I'll put it on, on YouTube. Okay. So what, what you're trying to do with the reed, the latex there is what makes all the sound. And basically what you're doing when it's up in your mouth, you're blowing air across the latex and it's vibrating the latex. Once it starts vibrating, that's what gives you the sound. So the easy way that I can tell you how to, how to learn it, if you're on your way to elk camp, put it on your tongue, keep the tip of your tongue down and arch the back of your tongue. So it's roughly, you're putting the reed kind in the middle to further back, three quarters of the way back. The further you can get it back without gagging and choking on it that's what most new guys are going to have to get past we all go through it it's a gag tendency and you kind of work your way through it as you get better and better so basically it just goes on your tongue like that and then all you're really doing you're taking the air in your chest and it's the warm air in your diaphragm and i always tell people to hiss like a snake so you're literally going 
and your tongue automatically, if you hiss like a snake, you'll feel the back of your tongue come up and it'll almost touch your upper molars. But keep the tip of your tongue down, that lets the air go. The air will come up over, hit the bottom of the reed and come out. So the air is kind of flowing past the latex. So if you put the reed on your tongue, this in the middle, and then literally hiss that air, you'll get this sound. So obviously it's not an elk sound, but all you're doing is getting that latex vibrating. Now from there, this is where your tongue comes into play. Keep that gentle air going. Don't increase it. Just keep it the exact same, just nice and steady. And start raising the back of your tongue up. And the pitch will go higher and higher. So. It goes all the way up and comes all the way down. The higher out might cut out on my microphone. So I'll do yeah. it away from yeah. it. That sound okay on your end? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little dampened, okay. but I, I get the, okay. the the point for sure of yeah. being able to create different pitches. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so from there, that's basically your basic sound to get you making some sound. Mm-hmm. And it's all coming out of your diaphragm. Just hiss that air. You're going to make this read make some noise. And from there, it's just shortening it up. So you have that long, long siren that I was just showing you there. Just start shortening it up and you'll get more into your cow sound. So it's really short. You're just basically up and down, up and down. Ew, ew is basically what you're doing. That's a great way of describing that. Yeah, and that's basically your basic cow move that you end up mm-hmm. with. Now, to get to your calf sound, which is a very important call, I think every elk hunter should know how to make a calf sound. Um, I believe it's more important than a cow sound, to be honest with you. So a calf sound, it's... It's the same as your cow mew. You're just going quicker up. You're just, yeah, yeah. And you're not like dropping on the cow mew. I'm dropping my jaw to get the nasally, yeah. The calf call, I'm keeping it up. So barely dropping down at all. So get that high note and then just kind of stop it. So you're. So you can you can tell right away that it's it's basically the little baby elk going, Mom, mom, mom. That's all you're really doing. So oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it, thought it was all when... pitch related. I didn't think of how long I was holding <clears throat> some of that. So that's good. Yeah. That's a good tip for sure. Yeah, exactly. And I mean you can get more into it, more in depth, but your average caller, that's really the only sounds you need to know. And they and if you notice, I did say the calf call, I thought personally was the most important sound because if you make a calf sound out there, you're going to draw in other cows. The bulls are going to be following those cows. You're going to draw in other calves. 
um, you're literally pulling in the whole spectrum. So if your goal is to just put meat in the freezer and, and the antlerless tag is, is there for the taking, now you can, you can shoot an antlerless elk, a cow elk, or a, a little bull that doesn't even have antlers yet. They're hard to tell. You know, you got to see if they got balls on them. But, yeah. you know, there's lots. Like our, our zone here, it's antlerless during archery season. And uh, so it doesn't, if it doesn't have antlers, it's, it, you can, it's legal to shoot. Then if you get into our bulls, well, they got to have three, three points or bigger. So it's three point zone and the three points have to be four, 4.5 inches long. Um, so you kind of know what you're going after there, but honestly, like using the calf and the cow sounds, you're going to call a lot of those younger elk in the two, three points, the spikers, the other cows, the calves, but believe it or not, you're also going to call in some of the herd bulls as well. Cause if there's a calf over there, there's other females over there and they're all about the breeding. So if they hear a calf sound, they're going to check it out because mom's going to be over there somewhere and they're going to steal her away for a little party. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So what the, very, very important. One of the things I, I see people or myself when I'm not calling well is just getting that good seal and you're getting yeah. some of that air blowing by what, what's the tip to or trick to getting that better so, seal? The trick to that is, I don't know if you noticed. So this is my own read, my Wapiti river outdoors lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll put it up close to you so you can see. Yep. There's no, actually notches nice. cut in it. Yeah. So I got notches cut in it. What that does it all your sides now fold independently. So it molds to the roof of your mouth. So the minute you throw it in, push it up there, and then you pull it out. Now it's the shape of my mouth automatically. Yeah, Yeah. without any wrinkles. So now the minute you hiss air out your diaphragm, it's automatically going across that latex where it has to go. It gets forced there. There's no way around it. And then... What I find most guys do is they're they're blowing too hard on it. So they're trying to force the action. What I like to tell people is hiss the air out, let the reed turn on and start doing the work for you. So, and I'll demonstrate that. I'll just put it in and I'll start hissing and then the reed will automatically just start making noise. So. So you can see I'm not blow I'm not hissing loud and forceful. Just let the air come out and then manage your read from there. Yeah. That's a something clicked in the last few years where just letting that air that's coming out really create that seals. I was trying to force it before. Yeah. And yep. you get a lot of that blow by and you can still make a sound, but you, there's a there's a air blowing by and it was not as natural. But. And it's even worse when you're standing beside your hunting buddy and your buddy's going, Hey, do a, do a sound, a call, you know, it's yeah. like, Oh, Oh crap. Now yeah. you're under the gun. You're like, Oh man, now yeah. I got to perform. Right. Yeah, exactly. So if, if, if you just think automatically, just think the really light air pressure, let the read do all the work for you. It's because okay. it, it comes on easier. That'll be important because sometimes <laughs> that first sound it's like, okay, I'm going to make, just like you said earlier, I'm going to make one good cow call. 
that could be yeah. really hard to do for just one. Yes. You don't you don't have a warm up <laughs> one to find the pitch, the tone, the volume. Yeah, you you got to go right to it. So, and I'm glad you said that, Clint, because we all practice bugling. Like we want to sound glorious mm-hmm. and hit those high notes and be like the rock star that you want to be, right? But yeah, what most guys should be practicing is the cow and calf stuff. And honestly, what I practice in my truck while I'm driving is just that. I'll as I'm driving down the highway, I'm looking out my side window, and it, we, you know, you always have traffic going past you, going the other direction. So what I do, I kind of challenge myself. And one time it'll be cow sounds, the next time it'll be calf sounds. So I'll try to hit ten in a row when a vehicle goes by. I'll try to do a perfect mew. And then the next vehicle goes by, I'll try to do another one and try to get 10 in a row. So just. Just try to hit them, just bang on, bang on, bang on. And then switch to a calf sound. And I find if people will do that, driving down the road, you have nothing to do anyways, right? So kind of practice yourself. What it does, it puts you under the gun. It puts pressure on you right away. Because if you mess up, now you got to start all over again and get right. try to get your 10 in, right? It's easy for me to do it because I call a lot. And, you know, I, you make practice look pretty easy after a while. But when you're new, you're only going to get to two or three. And you're going to be like, ah, that. And you have to be honest with yourself. You're like, you know if that one was a good call or if it was a terrible call. And if it was terrible, back to number one, you go and start all over again. And I, you're going to find your calling and your ability to call and control your read is just going to shrink right up. And before you know it, you'll be just boom, boom, boom. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Every single time. That's good. I got something to practice. Yep. I've been having the calls in the on the car and the drive, but it's like, yeah, what do I need to practice? I don't really know yeah. what I need to. So I always like doing that with that same thing with my archery. It was today in the last week's case, shooting from my knees. I'm gonna oh, be yeah. shooting shooting from my knees. That's that's what I'm doing. I know everything's good. Quit yeah. chasing a sight in, just shoot from your knees. <laughs> now I can right. now I can add this in and is cow calls yeah. versus calf calls and uh, see how many I can throw in there and, and or yeah, just have absolutely perfect cow call, one perfect cow call. Uh, and the nice part is that puts you under pressure. So now when your buddy says, oh, do a, do a sound, do a call, you've been under pressure with yourself the whole time. So you're just going to, whoop, you're going to fire it out. And it's going to be like, oh, that was perfect. Awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. We, have, we have cow calls, a calf call, just a basic mew of each. Um, yeah. What are some other notes that you, you hit on the keyboard and so, say, play play this note? So basically more getting past uh, just your basic calf sound in your, in your cow mew, you can do uh, more of a longer one and it's kind of more demanding. It's telling the, the rest of the herd to let's move along or let's do something or, and all you're doing is you're just making the cow sound a little bit longer. So a basic longer. You can just elongate a little bit more. Almost like you're going to do like a longer bugle. You're just doing a longer cow sound. And that's more of a, 
that's more of an elk saying, you know, like, um, something's going on, come on over, you know, check, check us out over here, something like that. It's just, it's more demanding. It's like you saying, Hey, come on over. Or you're saying, Hey, come on over here. Right. It's like totally different. It's one's nonchalant. One's a little more aggressive. So it's, the language of the elk is basically different motion levels. Uh, emotion levels is basically how I think of it. And same with you get into the bugles and stuff. They just, the more shorter they get and more raspy, the more aggressive they are, you know, versus just a long two or three note location bugle. That's basically just, Hey, how's it going? I'm traveling over here. Whereas you get yeah. growly and raspy. You're like, Hey, I'm traveling. I'm going to kick your butt right (laughs) totally different so and you know and so with the cow calls it's just a little bit longer uh more demanding and then if you get into more of the the higher end of the the demanding spectrum everybody calls it like the contact buzz or the estrus buzz it's the top end of all your cow sounds and literally you're doing a cow mew but you're throwing your voice in with your throat or you can spud your lips. So with your throat, you're just kind of going, yeah, yeah. And with your lips, you're just kind of like, <laughs> kind of sputtering them. So with your throat, it'll sound like this. You hear the difference yeah. in the two? Yeah. And then if you want to do it with your lips, that's a little bit harder for most guys. So you get two different sounds there, you know, that when you do, if you do it with your lips, it's a little bit more aggressive. So. Just because you're forcing a little bit more air through past the reed, because you got to kind of make your lips do that flutter thing, right? Yeah. So that's hard to add in for sure. It is hard to add in when I would say when you're first learning how to do it, try to do it with loose, flappy lips, like like almost like that. And then when you get better at it, you'll kind of you'll you'll curl your lips in and kind of tighten them and basically what that'll give you is more of a a tighter kind of sputter um but i would say for the most part just you know guys learn with the looser lips and you're gonna spit and you're gonna slobber a little bit but just swallow your spit down and carry on and keep doing it and eventually you'll be like you'll be pretty good so very good It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. Hey, it's 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, um, what is that? That raspy? That's just more of a um, get over here kind of, or yeah, just more of an aggressive. Yeah, uh, it's it's more higher up in their emotion level. So it's just more demanding as as you've went on. And you'll you'll really hear it with normal herd talk as well. Like all the cows are going to be, so it's just them kind of more talking, but really wanting their voice to be heard more. Or maybe she's talking to her calf, and her calf is over there playing with another calf and not paying attention to mom. So yeah. she'll give a little more raspy one, like yeah, yeah, and little guy knows, oh, okay. Mom means business now. Yeah. I better go back and see what she wants, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and, and and different from I'm ready to breed calls. Yeah. See, that's where there's the misconception because everybody talks about, and I and I did the same thing. Everybody calls it the estrus buzz, uh-huh. um, stuff like that. There really is. There's no sound that a, that an elk makes when she goes into estrus. The only thing that changes with the cow is she'll start dripping and she'll start emitting a scent. And that's usually like 24 hours before she's ready to breed. And then once she comes in to that, that window where she's ready to breed, where she'll let a bull actually stand and, and she'll stand for a bull and he can actually do his thing. That's an even shorter window of like, I believe it's like 10, 12 hours, something like that, where she's actually in ready to breed. And then so, but they don't make any special noises, um, just normal cow mews and stuff like that. And just, she's just emitting that smell and the bulls know it because they're scent checking all the cows, you know, as they're doing their thing. Once they zone in on that one cow, then they nose up to her and they're like, you know, they can really smell it then. So, yeah. So then, then they don't let off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The yeah. chase chase begins. Yeah. Um, what's let's go into some scenarios or frequencies of calling. So um I was telling you before we recorded that I find myself doing calls in threes. And it's like yeah. I get my warm-up one, I get another good one, and another good one. Cause I always feel like I really want them to know that they heard me. I want to make sure yeah. they heard me. Um and not just like a stick breaking or like something over there. Um, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but so I'm always, and then I was like, oh, I'm always doing it in threes. I'm going to try four. Oh, five or six yeah. sounds way too much. Uh, yeah. So what, what's your, <laughs> give us a couple scenarios of, and, and we can do, it doesn't matter early September, whatever, whatever okay. kind of situation you feel makes okay. sense. Okay. So one thing I would tell you right off the get go, knowing that you like to do it in threes, I would say, let the shape of your mouth control everything that you're doing. So that, and what I mean by that is when you do the first one, it's closed lip. Yeah. You know, my lips are closed. Yep. Now on your next one. So I'll do three. 
see how all I did was just open my lips a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Now you got three different sounds out of the same read, and you're not that single elk out there that's just you know trying to make the same sound over and over again. Because a bull, he's going to hear those different sounds. He's going to be like, oh, okay, there's two or three over there. Well, that's worth checking out, you know, versus that one that that he might have heard, even and though then- you did the same sound it's way more better for him to check out three cows than to check out one. Right. And in general cow talk, he's got cows mingling in general cow talk. Yep. He, I, have we've all heard those, uh, those calves that are lost and they're just mew, 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 mew. They're going crazy yep. walking around, just talking like crazy. Yeah. They don't take a breath, but the cows are, they, um, it's hard to decide. I try to think back to different interactions I've had with cows yeah. where, because there's always more than one. So it sounds like, is that one cow doing blowing two different mews, three different mews, yeah. or is it just, a, is it a single mew for each one of those cows? That it's, what do you think each one is, is given out? Exactly. I think it's honestly like you and me have our own voice. I think every single one of those cows and calves, I think they have their own distinct voice as well. So once you start mixing in three, four, five, six different cows and calves, now you're hearing that herd talk where it's all different sounds. You know, you got. You know, you can throw in different sounds. Now you got five or six different cows. Um, I don't necessarily do that when I'm hunting and stuff. It's usually just one cow mew, let it rest, and then do another one. I find most guys are gonna they're gonna overdo it and they're gonna be like doing way too many cow sounds uh, repetitively. I guess you could say it. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're walking in on the game trail or something, and you're doing the exact same cow mew every time. It's it's kind of counterproductive because what's going to happen is this is kind of getting more into the tactic side of it. But if you're moving through the bush and you're moving into a herd of elk that you don't even know are there, the minute you go, those cows in that herd that are up ahead of you, maybe a hundred, 150, maybe 175 yards, they might hear it. They're all going to go, Oh, there's another, there's another female coming down the trail what's going to happen is they're going to round up the herd cow, the lead cow is going to herd up her girls and they're actually going to go away from you. And where that's really bad, unfortunately they're pulling their bull that's with them. He's following those girls out the back door. And now he'll still probably bugle to you, but it's going to be from 200 yards away. And then you'll move up closer. You think, okay, I'm pretty close. I'll call to him again. Now he's 300 yards away. And every time you call, those girls don't like you. So they keep going away from you and away from you and away from you. And you think you're going to catch up to them, but elk have four-wheel drive and they just keep moving and moving and they move fast. Yeah. Right? Like one of their, one of their paces, like three of ours. <laughs> yeah. So it's, so what's yeah. the, what's the trick in your mind to, to not push those cows away? The trick in my mind would be walk down that game trail and give a calf sound. And you can just 
you could do it over and over again, like you like to do in two or threes, or just do one. So. So make it more realistic, you know, do some a little bit higher, a little bit lower, you know, space some out a little bit longer, even though you're doing a calf sound, just make them a, just a hair longer than a normal one. So, so I'm kind of picturing a scenario where you're, you're getting the attention, you're working the cows because the cows yep. that lead, lead cows, the one that's going to drag everything away. Yeah. And so you're, you're working the cows, <clears throat> but then after you hook the bull, like if you can hook the bull into what's going yep. on, yeah, then you could probably switch into some other muse, right? So let me put you into a scenario that I ran into last just last year. Um, literally, me and my buddy uh, Dylan, we walked up into this ridge, and we literally had like three or four different bulls that were bugling, and uh, we're like, okay, we had the wind all right. And I was like, well. That bull's bugling down over there, you know, if, so right off the get-go, if there's three or four bulls bugling, that tells you right away that there must be a hot cow somewhere. Because bulls aren't going to bugle just for no reason. But the minute that one of those cows starts dripping, coming into estrus, now all those bulls want to be standing up there trying to get her attention, saying, hey, I'm awesome. Look how awesome I sound. Come breed with me while the whole time she's got a herd bull already because she picked him already. Um, so he's going to be down there bugling. You'll have these two or three other satellite bugles going around him trying to get her attention. They're not screaming at the bull. They're bugling to the girl trying to, trying to sound awesome. So what's going to happen, um, and this is exactly what we ended up doing on this herd bull, three or four bulls bugling around. We moved in there and I set up and, I said to Dylan, well, let's just do calf calls back and forth. And so what ended up happening, happening, those satellite bulls, they're still trying to impress all the ladies. But the minute you start making sounds, cow sounds, calf sounds, those satellite bulls, if you're just after a meat bull, you're going to draw those in really easily. So that's literally what we did. We're about, from the herd bull and his cows, we were probably... 125 to 150 yards by the sound of it like they weren't very far and we just set up about 80 yards apart and we started going like this back and forth and we did a little skit for about two minutes and then we went totally silent nothing happened on the first little skit so do your calling for about two minutes. And then we waited, we waited about five minutes and then we fired up again and we did another two minutes of calling back and forth only with the calf sounds. And lo and behold, coming up the trail, a little calf, she was coming to check out, Oh, there's a little friend over there. I'm going to go have a look. So that calf came over. Dylan was still peeping off over off the side because he could see the calf coming. I totally went silent because this calf was now like coming down my trail and was like, it ended up being like 10, 12 yards right in front of me. And so Dylan kept it talking and lo and behold, it started talking to Dylan. Well, this is perfect. Now we have our own natural decoy right in front of us and it's a real elk 
So it was doing its little calf talk. And then all of a sudden we heard from over off the far side, we heard one of the satellite bulls pipe off. And he's like, you know, and all of a sudden, like 10 seconds later, he does another one. He's coming up that exact same trail that this calf just took. So by now this calf had walked past me and it's over in Dylan's lap at like 30 yards. So Dylan just kept playing with it. And the calf just kind of moved off to the side and it stayed there the whole time. And this, this satellite bull came walking over, took the exact same trail, walked right past me at like 11 yards. Nice giant five by five. Awesome bull. You know, if you're just, that's what you're wanting to shoot. Um, but we were just kind of playing with him and throwing out this calf scenario. And then after this, uh, the five by five, he went by and he circled back around to where he came from. Then off to the side, because the five by five, when he was up playing with us, he let out a couple of bugles of his own. Well, lo and behold, when he bugled, he drew in the herd bull that was down the ridge. And the herd bull actually came in behind me to my left. And I, he kind of caught me off guard because I'm facing this way, you know, playing uh-huh. with his five by five. And then I look over my left shoulder and there's the herd bull standing at like 70 yards behind me. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, crap. He's got us now. But yeah. So we didn't get a shot at that one, but that can show you what happens with only calf sounds. That's the only sounds we were making. Uh, there was no tree rubbing. There was no bugles. There was no cow sounds. Calf sounds back and forth was all it was. So we drew in the calf. We drew in the satellite bull and we drew in the herd bull. So had we had a shooter over here that was ready, you probably would have shot the herd bull. Um, honestly, I thought, the herd bull sounded like he was going to come along and take the exact same trail that the calf and the five by five took. Um, but he didn't, he kind of slipped in through the other trees secretly. So, huh. but normal, normal elk in a normal occasion, they're going to take the same trail that the other elk before them took. It's just rule of thumb. They're going to take the same trail. So if that calf goes by you and you didn't really have a good shot at him, and you need to move or something, that's your time. That's your little window to move, get in a better spot for a more broadside shot or something like that. And then wait it out and just let the bugles do their thing and, and listen to him as he comes. So, but that's kind of one little instance, yeah. you know, as close as last year that it worked awesome with, you know? So. <laughs> wow. Um, and then do, do, does your tactics and when was that in September? That was, oh, that was fairly late. That was, I'm going to say around the 18th of September in that area. So, um, but you can honestly do that right from opening season, right through mid-September, late September. You could do it even into October quite easily. Um, You're just playing on those instincts for other bulls to want to breed. And so those cows... They come in for that 12-hour window, 12, 15-hour window. If they don't get bred, now it's another 20, 21 days before they come back into estrus again. So you'll be able to play that whole scenario again. So that puts you in, you know, if they came in early, late August, early September, now they're coming back in, say, the 25th of September, something like that, 20th, 25th. Now they're going to do it again. Now they're going to come back in around the 15th or so of October, you know, just keep spacing it out. And it'll, those cows will do that until they get bred and they, the cows know when, when they take, because they won't go into estrus anymore, 
but up until the time that they take, they may get bred by five or six different, different bulls. You know, yeah. it's, it's not necessarily the herd bull that's doing all the breeding. You know, he's, he's just a, he's just a bull. He can, he can breed four or five times and then he's, he's got to go take a break. You know, he's got to rest up. <laughs> yeah. The boys are tired. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So then, so he goes and takes a break for a day or whatever it takes him to recuperate. And then the next bull in line, that's why you have the pecking order of those other satellite bulls. The next bull that sounds awesome and the cows choose. Well, now he'll go in, he'll do his breeding four or five times. Well, now he takes a break because he's spent net one of the other bulls comes in. So it's just a never ending cycle. You know, honestly, that, that one cow might get bred by three or four different bulls. Hmm. So fascinating. I had heard some research too, how deer too will get, they not just bred by different deer. They'll even, if they end up with like twins, um, they could even even have, have those from different, different debt bulls or, or bucks anyway different bucks yeah which, is, yeah, which i'm sure. sure it's the same kind of deal with with elk which is just fascinating oh, yeah. <laughs> that's fascinating yeah. um yeah so do you have a scenario of when you know where they are and you walk in and do your single mew um when that has um, been uh brought in little bull big bull doesn't matter yep yeah, yep yeah. So for that scenario where I know there's elk and like, say I've heard that the herd, the, the bull bugle, well, then it's pretty easy. Literally it's, I'm a creature of habit. I like to get on game trails and I'll, I like to be on game trails so I can slip in nice and quiet and kind of walk in there and get really close to them. Um, but if I hear a bull bugle, I try to even get closer than normal. Like normally you're, if you think you're, you can smell elk or whatever, you're probably 100, 150, 200 yards away. That's when you'd throw it a cow call. But in the instance of hearing a bull, now I'll try to move in even closer. If I can get into like 90, 80, 70 yards, something like that, the closer you can get with an elk, the minute you make an elk type sound, now automatically whatever elk is over there, whether it be a calf or a cow or a bull, he's got to either make a decision. Okay. Am I going to go away from this sound or am I going to go check it out? So in all our hunting, the closer you can get to an elk and throw out a sound, it pretty much makes them come searching for you. So, but if you try that at 150 yards, now they can make the decision. Oh, I don't really like the sound of that. And I'm going to go the other way. Right. Yeah. So there's a little, little barrier in there of getting in there. Yeah, a little way, so you just sound like another one that's in the in the herd. Yes, yeah. Instead of a and new that person again, coming into the herd. Yep, exactly. Hmm. And that again is going to be where your practice comes in, because that one cow mew that you do or that calf call, mm-hmm. it's got to be, it's got to be realistic, because yeah. you're trying now to fool that bull that was just bugling, and if he, you know, if you speak out a note and it doesn't sound proper, you might just turn him into going the other way. Versus, dang, that's a, that's another calf. I'm going to go see what's over there, right? So, yeah, yeah. it's kind of twofold. <laughs> so here's another scenario, possible scenario. Um, Colorado is going to be nuts this year. I feel like with overcrowdedness, and uh, yeah. it'd probably be our last over the counter 
season for my dad and I there. Um, oh, okay. We'll be looking at different options in the, in the future. <clears throat> so I have a feeling plan A, B and C are going to really start to struggle. <laughs> and yeah. We're, we're going to be three, four days into this saying, okay, now we're going <laughs> on to, we're pulling things out of who knows where. So yeah. when you don't know where those elk are and it's that <clears throat> early season, we get, get a little warm and yep. it, it, they're, they're only actively calling during those early mornings, late evenings, overnight. That's yep. sort of thing. And we, we just can't find them. And we're going to try to move into yep. a spot in an evening and <clears throat> to, to look for some, how yep. are you doing that without, like you're saying, getting those cows to gather up and get out of there? Yep. So what, what we do here, honestly, cause we have logging roads uh, oil lease roads we do a lot of calling at night just to try to find you know try to locate a bull because if you can find elk at night they're in their feeding area already so they're going to be there until the gray light of the next morning once it starts getting that light coming on darkness starts fading into light they're going to start evacuating those the pipelines the cut blocks you know all the cuts all that stuff they're going to start going back up into the, the darker timber and getting, getting into safety really is what they're doing. So what we do a lot, you know, it's dark here by probably nine 30, 10 o'clock at night, starting this time of year. And so we'll be out there for like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And you can either do it with cow sounds or you can bugle uh, for the most part. More, most times we're bugling. But if you wanted to do it with cow sounds, that's when I would introduce my voice and do more of a demanding type sound. So, and this one, I'm trying to project it out a little bit longer and louder. So I would throw a little more air across my reed and a little more pressure with my tongue to get the, the tone up higher. So it would sound probably something like this. <coughs> You can tell I'm pushing a lot more air, uh -huh. trying to get a lot more volume because you're trying to reach out over in those cut blocks or down in that pipeline or down in that draw where they might be feeding and watering. And uh, then literally it's just a matter of sitting there waiting, hoping you get a bugle back. If you do, great. Mark that spot on your, on your, on your, you guys use Onyx there. Yep. I'm assuming most of you guys. Yep. Um, so, Mark that spot on your map as to where that elk should be. And then once you get an answer, jump back in your rig and go try to find another elk. So that's my whole goal is try to find two or three in the evening. Because now what you're going to happen have to do in the morning, you got to get the wind right. So if for some reason the wind isn't right for elk number one, now you have a fallback to go to number two. And if the wind still isn't right for that one, maybe elk number three that you found, maybe you can play the wind and get in on that one. So hmm. don't, don't just head back to camp after you find one elk and go, okay, awesome. I'm going to get that bull in the morning because it yeah. might not happen. You know, weather conditions just dictate what you can do and what you can't do. And then, uh, so basically what, you know, after that, we'll leave camp at like four in the morning and start heading into that area. And checking the wind, make sure the wind's all right. That's when it goes into 
if you're listening carefully, you're going to probably hear other elk sounds. Cause if they're making elk sounds, you know, early in the evening when you bugle to them, that sometimes fires them up enough to keep them going all night. So as soon as you get out of your rig and you start walking into that area, really be paying attention and listen for elk sounds. And once you get close, even if you want to test it and throw it another bugle or throw it another cow sound and see what you're dealing with, see if you get a reply. Once you get a reply, that's when I like to go silent and move in, you know, try to find a game trail that's kind of leading that direction, if at all possible. And just, you know, slowly work your way to that bull until you get, you know, try to, I try to break into a hundred yards at least if you can on them. And then from there, you can start doing your calling scenarios. You can just start with breaking a tree. You could start with a little calf sound. You can start with, you know, chuckles or moans and groans. Just really depends what you feel like doing that day. And that's kind of how I, how I do it as well. Um, Sometimes I just want to bugle and other times I just want to rake a tree and just see what happens. You know, Uh, people forget about that raking a tree thing right off the get go. I guess because people don't realize what raking a tree means. So when you start raking a tree, it means you're a bull that has moved into an area and now you're kind of advertising to any of the other female elk that might be in that area. So by you just doing that sound, you're perking up the attention to all the cows and calves that are in that area, but you're really getting the attention of that bull as well. Cause the minute one of his cows starts working her way over to check out who's raking the tree, that bull is going to cut her off. And then he's going to come out and he's going to push you out of the area as well. So yeah, raking a tree is very, very important. And it's something you don't have to practice it. Anybody can do it. You can yeah. take your kid along and say, okay, little dude, you're the tree raker, you know, give him a stick and let him rake the trees. You know, yeah. They have fun. Just tell them to make noise, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, this definitely had had some fun, fun scenarios with raking. <laughs> oh yeah, doing some. <laughs> uh, I just got have to quit in time. Uh, I had a very right. big. I had a very big bull come in, sneak in on <sighs> me, and I didn't know he was fifteen yards away until he blew out, and I just watched yeah. his big old six by six rack just oh. taking off. It's it's a. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's haunted me. <laughs> so 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 I do have kind of a rule. I'll I'll kind of rake for about 30, 45 seconds and then I'll take a break and I'll wait for a minute or two. And while you're just waiting, you're just, I'm scouring the areas, you know, making sure nothing's sneaking in like you did. Mm-hmm. And uh, if nothing, then go back to it, do another 30, 45 seconds and then stop again. Because your whole thing is if you're hunting elk, you have to have them, you have to have them on their toes. And basically what I mean by that is, if they look over in your area and they catch any movement, they got you busted. So when you start raking trees and then you stop for that, you know, minute or two, don't be moving around and wrestling and doing stuff and, you know, moving and just stand still, get up beside a tree and just stand there and literally just let your eyes kind of like scour the areas. And uh, because when you're raking, if a bull's coming in, Nine times out of 10, I guarantee he's going to be silent, but he's looking for that movement to see where's that bull. Cause he wants to catch them before, before you see them is what it is. So 
Yeah. Um, so really be wary with that. And if a, if you do see a bull coming, well, obviously don't start raking anymore. Just slowly grab your bow and get ready. Cause that elk, he's going to keep coming and he's going to keep searching that whole area, you know, oh. it, and they can zone into that sound. Just like if you make a sound, they zone into that tree that the sound's coming from definitely raking a tree. They're going to zone in exactly to where that sound's coming from as well they're going to end up walking right past you and they'll literally walk right past you and they'll do a circle and they'll go back to where they're, where they came from. So, yeah, he was, he was walking away. He was all by himself. It was early season and walking away and I was like, Oh, let's just try calling at him. Go over there, dad, just stand behind that tree. It's wide open almost (laughs) except for the little cuts and things. And he kind of dipped down into an area and we lost him and I never saw him turn towards us. He just kind of dipped down in one of those little draws and then yeah, somehow ended up where I didn't see him uh, and was there just suddenly. So that one, that one hurt. <laughs> but, that's, that's know. just a, that's just a bull being sneaky. You yeah, know, it's just no like kidding. when, when they crest over the top of that hill, just their eyes are kind of looking above it and they're, they're scouring for any movement whatsoever. So, and, yeah. and he'll fool you. He'll go down in that little draw and then he'll come up at a different spot. And then he's looking from over there. Right. It's like, Oh yeah, they're pretty tricky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, what, uh, what do you got lined up for, for this fall? You obviously got tents set and you're ready to ready to hit the the woods here on Friday. Yeah. So we got, uh, most, a lot of you guys down in the States, you probably heard of the elk bros. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's, uh, there's a group of six guys and uh, they're called the elk bros. So three of them are from Texas and three of them are from New Mexico. Um, so those guys are coming up. They're actually leaving the 23rd. Uh, three of them are driving up on the 23rd. They'll get here on the 24th and then the other three are flying up. And so they'll all get here on the 24th. And from there we're going to, uh, you know, grub up and basically head to the, head to the camp. And from there, we'll be ready to rock opening morning of the 25th. And uh, we're going to hunt right straight through. Uh, most of them are staying till September 4th. And then depending on how many tags they tag out or whatever, uh, Joe and uh, Chav and uh, RC might stay a little bit longer. They might stay a couple extra days kind of thing and enjoy the Canadian wilds. <laughs> yep. See what happens. And then from there... Um, I'm pretty open the rest of September. It's, you know, I do a lot of solo hunting, so I'll probably go chase some bulls on my own. And I like to try to fill them and get, you know, close in shots and stuff like that on my own. And it's a chess game and I just love playing the chess game. It's a lot of times I honestly, I don't care if I shoot an elk. I just want to play the game. And if it's catch and release, you call, you know, call them into 15 yards and watch them walk away. I'm good with that. Or if you take a buddy with you and he gets a shot at 15, 20 yards. Awesome. That's great. Right. So, but every elk's just so different and I love playing the game with them. And if you can be on their territory and, and try to win against them, I mean, that's the smartest beast on the planet. (laughs) So you're, you're trying to match wits with them. Right. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, with, with that, I guess, uh, can, 
where could people pick up uh, some Wapiti River calls? Sure. Yeah. So you can, uh, on the website, mostly it's just wapitiriveroutdoors.com. And Wapiti, well, most people don't know, but Wapiti is the native name for an elk. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, so Wapiti is W-A-P-I-T-I. And then just River Outdoors. And just, they can order online just like anywhere. Like, same thing as you're ordering Rocky or Phelps or whatever. Just go online, do your order, and I make all the reads myself. So every one of these is hand-stretched by me, and I package everything here, and I ship it out in the mail, and uh, you'll be rocking and rolling ready for the season. Awesome. That'd yep. be great. So um, I'm, I've, I'm loaded up, but let me put it in a quick order here and see if I can't get them get yeah. them here in time I, uh, getting things from canada is always a little trickier uh yeah. it takes yeah. takes some time to get get it over the border but um it does yeah yeah, yeah. But, so what i'm doing for the guys in the states i have joe so i'm one of the coaches on the elk bros okay. um so the elk, the elk bros have an online uh of course basically on on calling elk scenarios strategies um you know tactics all that kind of stuff yep and so guys can go on there and sign up and I'm one of the coaches that does some of the, the sounds, the, the okay. bugling. And so guys can get a hold of us and learn all these different facets to it. And basically, so I've set Joe up. He's got a pretty good selection of all my calls. So anybody that orders and they're from the States, I have them shipped directly from Joe at the Elk Bros and he's oh, in okay. New Mexico. There you go. So you'll, yeah, you'll, as long as he hasn't ran out, he's getting pretty short on some of them. Sure. Um, but you know, I can send you the ones he does have yeah. and you'll see those in three or four days versus me sending him from Alberta. It'll take probably 12 or 15 days from yeah. here. It's yeah. a nightmare. I know. But, jo- but Joe's awesome. You know, as Good long deal. as we catch him before the 23rd, cause they leave early in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll do it right so, now. I won't leave my desk. Okay. Until, and this episode's going out tomorrow. Um, awesome. tomorrow morning at 2 AM. So, um, yeah, let's, perfect. let's put him to work for the next two days. And it's funny thing yeah. is I just sent them, a <laughs> sent elk bros, a, a message on Instagram, just literally right before oh, yours perfect. or after yours or something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know my answer, they're busy. They'll be, yeah. they'll be getting ready to roll, but I'll, uh, maybe He's, have to catch yeah. with them afterwards. Joe's pretty good though. You know, he'll, he'll probably try to squeeze you in no matter what it's, huh. he's a really good dude. They do their own podcast called the blue yeah. collar elk hunting. Yeah. And, uh, but they're all really good dudes. They're just, they like having fun. Um, you know, that's what it's all about meeting people, having fun, calling elk in and going to elk camp. You know, yeah. There's nothing better. What's so. your, what's your favorite one or one I should try and try and um, get ordered? So my favorite one is, uh, it's a yellow one called the Frolicker. Okay. And believe it or not, it's actually a calf breed. And then the next one above that, is called a sassy and that's the blue and pink one that i'm using right here so so go with the frolicker frolicker or a sassy and then i really like uh one of my bugling read is called the chuckler and uh and then i like the reaper is pretty much my go-to the reaper is the thickest latex read that i make yeah and so it's it's for like hammer and bugles and lip balls and getting into all that awesome stuff. So 
Well, awesome. Yeah. I want to thank you. Thank you for jumping on, doing a quick episode with me. And I feel like I got some practice things that I want to work on. Yeah. Um, yeah. A couple of good things to to wrap up the next week and a half before the season. And yeah. yeah so the good, good uh, points of action for me to, well, me to hit. It's, so a, it's good. always good to have little, little plans in, in place, Clint, mm-hmm. you know, like little practice quotes and stuff like that. It's, I find it'll, it'll really help with guys. You know, they start doing it when they're passing the vehicles on the highway and it's their calling is going to go to a whole new level. And I'm, cool. I'm sure you'll see it as well, Clint. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, well, thanks again. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Clint. Thanks for having me on. This is God's country.